do you crave daily motivation and want valuable tips for dealing with the stress of type 1 diabetes? Sign up for our daily email and start your day with a practical type 1 diabetes and mental health tip delivered straight to your inbox. It's like a personal boost for your day, from me to you. And best of all, it's absolutely free. Don't wait. Go to www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash tip and subscribe today because every day with type 1 diabetes deserves a healthy start. That's www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash tip. This podcast is brought to you by Ultra Rapid Acting Inhaled Insulin. People ask me all the time, what is the most important thing for someone with type 1 diabetes to improve their mental health? And every time, my answer is the same. It's community. People with type 1 diabetes need community. We need other people around us who get it, who don't think that we're different, who accept us for who we are, and understand all the intricacies of living with type 1 diabetes. Now, community can take on many faces. It can be in-person, online, or in a group forum. And today, we're talking about a special type of community. Welcome to the Live Free with T1D podcast, brought to you by the Diabetes Psychologist. This is the only podcast where we teach you how to build your type 1 diabetes stress management plan like a sailboat. You are the captain, your diabetes management is the hull, your mindset is the sails, your behavior is the rudder, and your support team is the crew. When you build your sailboat correctly, you will have smooth sailing in your life with type 1 diabetes. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman, and on this episode of the podcast, I talked to Neil Greathouse. Over the past year, Neil has put out one video every day educating people on type 1 diabetes. And in this episode of the podcast, we dive into his experience. We talk about what was the most surprising, what he learned the most about himself and his diabetes management, and also about the importance of community. If you feel alone in your life with type 1 diabetes, and like no one gets you, this episode is for you. Neil, great to have you on the podcast today. Welcome. This is going to be amazing. I've had this on my calendar for a while. I've been looking forward to it. Thank you so much. I'm excited about it too. You know, for those of you who don't know Neil Greathouse, he's a he's a powerhouse in the diabetes community, and he just finished a project, which I'm going to let him tell you about because I'm not going to be able to do it justice in my own words. So, Neil, tell us about the project that you did on Instagram and maybe other places um, about sure. diabetes over the past year. Yes, it was everywhere, which was kind of annoying too, because like my kids or friends of ours would be on, they'd be on TikTok and we're like, gosh, will you please just get off of all the platforms? Guys, I didn't stop. So yes, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, uh, Twitter, and Facebook and all, all of them. It could be a lot, but I started about a year and a month ago making daily diabetes education help, inspiring, kind of encouraging videos. and. I did not intend at the very beginning to do one a day for a year, but the response was good enough that I thought, okay, this is maybe helpful. Like I I don't have a ton of pride or a big ego. I was just like, okay, maybe, maybe this one video. So I did a video about 
um, I had gotten a steroid injection for uh, a, you know, an infection I was dealing with, and it really messed with my blood sugars. And so I did a quick video talking about it. And then the response was people like, oh my gosh, I've had steroid injections. I didn't realize that it did that. How do you, how do you learn more about this? I'm like, well, tomorrow we'll talk about it again, I guess, you know, and it just kept going. So it, um, it was very wild to see the community respond so well and for people to just say, okay, I, I like this, uh, and then ask questions and, and want to know more. That was really helpful. So what ended up happening is you ended up making a video every single day for a year <laughs> and putting them on social media. Is that yes. an accurate statement? Yes. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. It was about, it ended up being a little over 400 videos in a year. And I didn't even start counting them for the first week or so. It was just a little project. And after that, I get, I get way too, I start thinking way down the road. So I started thinking, okay, so could I do this for a year? And the truth is I'm continuing to do it. But instead of that teaching format where, Hey, I'm going to explain this to you and I'm going to, you know, here's a graph, here's a chart or whatever. Here's how this works. Here's how insulin responds in your body after exercise. I am now doing it where I'm showing people not just telling them. So very similar to what you're doing, which I love, by the way, of showing people, hey, here's what my last week looked like, time and range. Here's what this looked like. Here's how I handled this. I'm trying to take people with me as I just go through a regular day. If I deal with a high blood sugar or a low blood sugar or going to the endocrinologist and just show them because most people learn by watching someone else, not just by reading or hearing about it. So that's kind of the next step. This is the show don't tell uh, next step of, of the, the BDs on all of the, all the platforms. I think that's so amazing because I think people with diabetes, they, they feel so alone in their experience. And they, they, I remember what, this is probably 15 years ago at the beginning of the, the, the blog, you know, era of diabetes, the diabetes online community, I remember I read a blog from a woman who she basically explained what I was experiencing without me being, without me even knowing I was experiencing it. I was able to read, like she was talking about, I remember this very clearly. She's talking about what it felt like inside your mouth to have a high blood sugar, that kind of like pasty wow. feeling. And, and I was like, yeah, that. and it's annoying. And I never actually been able to even not even only articulate it, but yeah. to be able to even conceptualize that that was a thing. I thought I was the only one. And for me, that was powerful. Yeah. I think that those, those little things that only people with diabetes can actually understand because we're experiencing them. You know, what that, what that breaking point is between you're okay with your blood sugar and then it goes low. And there's that, there's that point where that, that inflection point and like people don't, we, we all know that we have it. But we can't explain it. And when someone else, when we hear someone else explaining it to us on TikTok or Instagram or in a yeah. blog or in person, it's powerful. Oh, it absolutely is. I can't tell you how many times I have sent people. This is now, this is a huge shout out for you. You explained how tiring it is after a low blood sugar that like, hey, you, you don't just eat a bunch of you know sugar and your blood comes back up and everything's fine. You can feel the effects it can be draining and exhausting for hours. It might even carry on into the next day. But the, the reason why you feel like you got hit by a truck is because you, you did internally. And I have used that paragraph. I have sent it to so many people because they say it's really difficult to describe what I'm feeling. 
And then when you hear somebody else say what you've only been able to internalize, you go, oh, like I feel so seen right now. I feel like I'm not crazy. You're absolutely right. Well, not only that, but I can also help other people around you understand your experience. I mean, like my wife knows a lot about diabetes from an intellectual level, and she knows a lot about it from a a relational level with me, but she, she can't get inside my body. So she can't know what, what that feels like to have, but to have words to explain that is, is amazing. And I think that that's, you know, it sounds like that's kind of what your, the, what your experience was over the past year and also really what you're diving into right now. It, it is. Yes. I think making it more visible. This is what daily life looks like. This mm-hmm. is what we deal with. You don't need to treat us like you know, we're less than or, or any of that, but just know that we're, we're dealing with a lot of other stuff. And I, I really think that I think putting it on display, which to be totally fair, doc, I, I didn't feel like doing this in the early years. I didn't want anybody to know about it, but then all of a sudden you find this community and you go, Oh, there's others. Like there's other people out there. I'm not the only one. It is so empowering to feel like there's a group of people that get it, that actually is what made me more ready to be more visible with, here's what living with type one looks like. It, it really it really changed my mindset. It's amazing. I have so many questions to ask you, but I'll start with the basic one. What was your biggest learning? What was your biggest takeaway? Or maybe maybe start off with, what was the post that surprised you the most? Well, I did a a series on the the prices of insulin and and why is why does insulin cost so much? Like how did we get here? That one I knew going into it was going to be controversial. Just you know, and I wasn't doing it for controversy's sake. It was was legitimately going, "Hey, let's at least be educated on here's why it is costing so much and here's all this backstory." It's complicated. That one got a really Oh gosh, is it complicated? It it took me months because I also didn't want to give people information that wasn't true, and I didn't want to you know like incite the the mob to to riot. You know, I just wanted to go, hey, here's some information that may help you. That response, the community responded very well. They were shocked because they didn't know it. We just assume it's because of this or because of the manufacturers or whatever. There's a lot of other people. The the segment that stands out to me in the last year has been the diabetes burnout. Uh, we spent, uh, so it was a total of eight weeks. Every week we, we tackled a topic. And I think that I underestimated the power and strength of not just community, but the caregiver support network that is out there for people living with type 1. I was only going to do seven weeks, but so many people messaged me and they said, Hey, can you talk about what it's like to carry the burden of being a caregiver? Like, talk about that. So we spent an entire week and the response just completely floored me. I did not realize how passionate, how tiring that can be, and the weight that they carry of trying to help someone else live with type one when you yourself don't deal with type one. You don't know what it feels like but you have to learn how to read it in them. Like that community absolutely shocked me. Never realized how, how strong that group of people really has to be. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say something controversial here, but I'll own this is that 
technology, especially CGM technology in this, in that case is a blessing and a curse. I remember when yes. I, I, I would diagnose when I was a, in my twenties. And so my parents never, never had to live with me and help me manage my diabetes. But I see lots of parents now, you know, they, they're, they're glued to their phones and watching their kids blood sugar every second of the day. And while there's, at that, there's lots of great things about that, and that's very empowering. It can also take that burden and just make it bigger and bigger and bigger because you're, you're feeling like it's a micromanage right. everything. And that can be, can be challenging. It, it, yeah, it can. You even say uh, this in your book. I keep referencing your book. I just is so good. Uh, you, you keep talking about how this it's not good numbers or bad numbers. They're just numbers. Like, what do we do with it? You know, like, how do we respond? That's one of the things that I noticed, like healthy, I don't know, you can call it a home or, or a caregiver that is taking care of somebody, helping to instill that in your child at an early age. It's not failing if it's above this number or below this number. It just tells us what we need to do next. That those families that that get that sooner do so much better at really the next part, which is the transition to that person being the owner of type one. Because, like you said, diagnosed at twenty, like I was nineteen, I didn't have my parents kind of knew about it. We didn't have CGM. I was out of the house already. You know, none of that applied. But now I watch parents like they, I I watch parents where they've got an iPad with the, the follow app up on the mantle of their fireplace. They've got uh, one of those glow coasters over here and they've got a pixel, uh, whatever that thing, my sugar pixel off to the side. They're surrounded by it. You almost can't get away from it. And I, yeah. I wonder what that's like for that kid, you know, sometimes to be surrounded by it. Yeah. Well, that's probably a whole other uh, episode of your, of, my <laughs> podcast of, of your series. What was the biggest thing that you learned about your yes. own diabetes? Um, and your own management mental health experience through this process? You know, I made an assumption, and I don't know where I picked this up, but, and you could probably help me with this. Oh gosh, uh, you're probably thinking, there's so many mistakes you made, Neil. There's some assumption that I made years ago. I guess once I got to the place where I felt like I was managing things well, Mm -hmm. that I had it somewhat under control. Like uh, I could do it on a day-to-day basis and didn't have to give that much mental headspace to it. But this past year, learning from so many people that are out there in the community, like through messages, through comments, through conversations back and forth, I realized I need to make sure that I'm still curious and I'm still learning. And so I, I started writing everything down like a mm-hmm. daily journal. And I like, I, I, I do it like I journal, but I always type it in. This was different, like putting it on paper with a pen and saying, when I woke up, this is my blood sugar. When I went exercising these, these things, and you know, it could be 10 different data points. It could be, I don't know, more than that. It could be 15 or 20. But the act of doing that made me realize that I had stopped being curious about mm. my own living with, with type one. And I, I wasn't asking good questions anymore. I was just kind of, I don't know, you know, very reactionary, I guess, instead of like, I wonder why it did that. Um, mm. I, I had a, a meal. This is yesterday. And I ate it, but I was like, why is my blood sugar so high later? It used to be where that would just frustrate me or I would just go give insulin, you know, whatever. But I started asking the why question and then to be able to go back and look at 
my day and kind of zoom out a little bit and, and realize, oh, this is why I had a meal that had a lot more fat content to it. We went to it like a, a smokehouse, like a barbecue place, mm-hmm. and we ate um, we ate brisket. And brisket has a much higher fat content. I was just thinking about the meat and the protein side of it. I didn't take into consideration the fat content, and it just it showed me I need to be a learner too. I haven't arrived. I haven't, I haven't arrived, Doc. I'm not there yet. So I don't want to walk around and feel like I have that attitude. That's that's my biggest takeaway out of this year is that I'm still a student of it. When thinking about expanding your diabetes management toolkit, you may not be thinking about insulin. There haven't been a lot of new insulins to put in your toolbox. Sure, there are different brands, but nothing really unique when it comes to insulin delivery, except for a Frezza. A Frezza Insulin human inhalation powder is unique because it's the only ultra rapid acting inhaled insulin available. It's a man made orally inhaled insulin and is used to control high blood sugar in adults with diabetes without the need for mealtime insulin injections. Once you inhale a Frezza into your lungs using the inhaler, it will start reducing your blood sugar in about 12 minutes and it's out of your bloodstream within 1.5 to 3 hours, depending on the dose. Keep in mind that a Frezza must be used with basal insulin in people who have type 1 diabetes. To learn more about inhaled insulin, visit www.afreza.com. That's A-F-R-E-Z-Z-A dot com. Afreza is a rapid-acting inhaled insulin used to control high blood sugar in adults with diabetes mellitus. Afreza may cause serious side effects, including sudden lung problems, low potassium, and heart failure. Afreza is not for patients with chronic lung disease, such as asthma or COPD. Tell your doctor if you smoke, recently stopped smoking, have ever had kidney or liver problems, a history of lung cancer, or if you're pregnant or breastfeeding. Most common side effects are low blood sugar, cough, and sore throat. Severe low blood sugar can be fatal. Do not replace basal insulin with Afreza. Afreza is not for use to treat diabetic ketoacidosis. Do not take Afreza if you are allergic to insulin. Talk to your doctor before changing your Afreza dose. Blood sugar may need to be checked more frequently. Yeah, and I think that there's something to be careful there, though, Neil, is that being a learner, at least when I hear that word, um, and, and you talk about continual learning, I think is super important. But there's also an added burden that kind of that can go fall on your shoulders with that. It's like I'm every day is an, a science experiment, and I'm learning every single day. And certainly we are. But I think there's also some value from having the ability, whether it's a, a, during seasons of your life or when w- whatever that situation is, to be able to put your diabetes on autopilot and not learn. Because we want to be able to learn so that you can deal with those brisket situations. I love that term. And, but also to be able to just allow diabetes to run its course, you manage it well without having to always be thinking about it. Because I think that, that that's the goal of everybody. The goal of every, everyone's goal with diabetes is to have the best blood sugars possible with a little, the least work and the least cognitive burden, you know, thoughts in your head um, that are going on. Uh, 
I'm going to go a little off track yeah. here, but I want to, yeah, I, you're I want saying to, that balancing. Yeah. Well, and I want, I want to tell you, I want to use a metaphor for you. I, I've talked about this in different places, but I want to share this with you and the listeners. because I think that you'll find it valuable is people ask me, how do I prioritize my diabetes? And my answer is, I don't want you to prioritize your diabetes. And, but because let me explain why. So if you think about the priorities that you have in your life, you have, or I'll, I'll do it for myself. I don't want to make any assumptions about you, but you know, my, my faith, my, my wife, my daughter, my work, my, I, I love being active and cooking and, you know, making cocktails. Those are all, those are all priorities that I have. And if you ask me, where does diabetes fit into those priorities? You know, I could say, well, you know, my, my relationship with my wife is, is high up there. Does it fall? Is it, is it up, up above my relationship with my wife or below it? And so it becomes this like nonsensical questions. Like how, how can your diabetes management be more important than your relationship with your wife or with your relationship with your kid? Um, and here's my answer to that question. It's not. However, it, it, your, your diabetes and, and your priority level with it is kind of like your relationship with salt. Now, when you went to the brisket place last night, did you order a side of salt, like a, a bowl full of salt? I did not. No. And, and would you ever go to a restaurant? If you went to a restaurant and said, hey, could I get a side of salt, like a bowl full of salt, uh, like as a, a salad and then like a salt? Like they'd laugh at you, right? Um, because because that, that's almost, yeah. making diet, it's almost like making salt a priority in your meal. Now, if you went to the brisket place and they didn't salt anything at all during the, during the cooking process – it probably would have been a great experience, right? Because you would have been, you, you would have, the, right. the, the, the brisket would not taste very good. So salt was not a priority in, in the, in, in your world, but it was certainly something that was laid over the entire meal. And so what I want to encourage people to do is think about their diabetes, not as a priority. I'm number one, number two, number three. Oh, well, today it's not a priority because of my, you know, my work is more important. No, it's something that you sprinkle over because what's the purpose of salt? The purpose of salt is not to live in and of itself. It is to make every part of the meal that you have more flavorful and to bring out the flavors that already exist. The same thing is true for your diabetes management. The better you, the better you salt your diet, your, your world with your diabetes management, everything else in your life, your relationship with your kids and wife and with your work and with your hobbies and all those things, they become more flavorful. And so it takes away the, the, the obligation to say, well, it's not a priority right now. It's like, let's just, let's sprinkle it in all over the place. And if you forget to put salt in sometimes, well, I mean, you know, you learn from that. But I think that that, that sort yeah. of mindset for you, especially saying, you know, I want to learn all the time. It's, that's priority. Well, okay, great. But also how is that learning helpful and how can you reframe that? Not to it's my, my biggest priority, but it is to a place where it's, you know, it's helping my entire life as opposed to saying, well, this is more important than the next. And right now this is not important. It's always important, but it's not important for the right for the reason that you think it is. So I, I want to make sure I'm hearing you with this. It's, it sounds like you're you're almost saying like I, I, diabetes is part of my overall health, but it's not the only, and it's not above my health or whatever. But it's just part of health. Like being healthy, diabetes is a part of that. It's, Don't it's let being that alive. part of it overwhelm it. It's part yeah. of being. It's part. It's part of your life. I mean, forget about health. I mean, health is certainly an important part of this. But if you imagine that you didn't manage okay. your diabetes or you, don't, you weren't a learner and you, you kept on, you know, <laughs> eating brisket and having high blood sugars, um, how would that impact the rest of your life? It, it, would, it would make things challenging, right? It would make, you know, in lots of, lots of ways. 
Um, but if you're able to, but you're saying, well, diabetes is my number one priority. Well, I sure, I sure hope it's not. I really do. I really don't. I mean, I, ho- I hope that you're, I hope that there, there are more interesting and important things in your life that are your number one priority. But when I say that, I don't mean right. like to ignore diabetes. I mean, you know, overlay it onto everything so that it, so that your life becomes more flavorful. And then that gives you that intrinsic motivation to kind of keep on going and to, to, to live the life full and flexible in the way that you want to live it. Um, but without salt, ima- imagine a meal without salt. It would be kind of bland. Um, it's like a, a, and, and a, a day without managing diabetes would be pretty miserable. But a day managing diabetes gives you that ability to bring out the flavor in your, in your run this afternoon or in your work that you're doing or in your conversation with your kids. All those things become much better when you manage your diabetes. So, yeah. So you don't want it to be the most important thing because it could, it could easily overwhelm you. Well, right. And, and, and look at, look at what you're talking about with the caregivers that you, that you, that you were able to experience during your year. And for them, like diabetes has gone to the top of the list and I get it. I get why I'm not, and I'm not saying that's a, that's a wrong thing, way of thinking about it. But when you think about it that way, this burden becomes the burden that we are all have all of a sudden becomes a whole lot more heavy, a lot heavier. Um, when, what ha- would happen if we say, well, the reason why we're doing this is because we want to make sure everything is more flavorful. Now, it's not the number of priority. It is, it is, a, it is the priority. It, it is, is, is a part of our life. It's not a priority. It's just kind of a normal part of the day, just like drinking water or going pee. You, know, you don't say, well, peeing is my number one priority. But you just do it as part of your life, your day. <laughs> you didn't tell me the last time you went because right. it's, just like, it's not a normal thing, right? So anyway, I know this conversation is going a little bit yeah, off yeah. the rails. But I think that that's an important. Well, no, I, I love this thing for us. And I, lo- I like that. I like yeah. that. So I want to hear balance, about community. I think. I, 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 yeah. I, I want to go back to your, your project and talk about community because I, because I, I agree. I think that if in my work, what I've learned is that what people really want and what people really need for their mental health, for their, uh, their diabetes management is community. And I'm curious, what, what is the, your biggest takeaway in terms of the community? And also what are the things that you learned about community in this process that you can share with the listeners? Ooh. So one of the things that I have tried to do, I don't know if I've been perfect at it, but tried to do is respond to everybody, which okay. there are some days that can be, that can be a lot like, this isn't my full-time job. Uh, Doc, I'm I'm not. Uh, nobody's nobody's paying me for this. Yeah. But I I feel like responding to people's comments or direct messages or whatever has has been one of the most beneficial things because it's one thing to see a video and go, "Wow, they get it," or "Wow, that person," whatever. But when somebody when somebody replies or or sends you a message, if I don't respond to it this this is my this this is my take on it it's Mm -hmm. the same as if you're sitting at a coffee shop and somebody walks in sees you comes over to your table and says hello and you just look at them Mm. and you don't say anything back i i feel like it's it's with social media there's such a um i don't know people are a little skeptical of like what is the purpose behind this like what are you selling what are you doing this for Mm-hmm. That part of it, the community, it takes a long time to build that trust. And so yeah. that was one of the things that I learned r- right out of the gate is 
that responsiveness, even even uh, more than just doing the posts, helped people feel seen and heard. Like a, a reply is is very helpful. Uh, I also I, I think I underestimated how many people don't have someone in their life mm-hmm. that knows or understands or that they can be honest with ab- about type one. It's, I think it's something that maybe I've taken for granted. You know, I could pick up the phone right now. You could, I can't imagine the amount of people you could call right now and get immediate help or perspective or bounce an idea off of. And I, I forget how many people don't have that. And then when they do find it, like the messages you get or, or the, the comments or things like that, like this has been everything for me to feel like I don't have anybody in my town. I don't go to school with anybody. I don't whatever. And they feel alone. Mm-hmm. And that, that mindset of you're not alone, you're, you're going to be okay. And we're in this together is like, it's just medicine. It's like a totally different kind of medicine. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm going to leave, let us stop this podcast on that note. Cause I think that's a, a powerful, powerful message is that how important community is and how also how willing the diabetes community is to support each other, no matter how different we are in other areas of our life. You know, I don't know anyone who would not help another person with diabetes, with their basic needs, yeah. with support, with telling them, I get you, I understand you, you know, we, yeah. we we're in this together. It's really an incredible community that I that I really hope to continue building, and I'm, I thank you for for taking the time and for really putting the effort over the past year to help help that happen. So thank you, Neil. Oh, thank you so much. At the end of every episode, I give you a plan of action that you can use starting today in your life with type one diabetes to reduce your stress and to find more freedom and flexibility. And today, your plan of action is find community. Go on Facebook, go on Instagram, go on TikTok, and look for somebody who you can identify with. Finding people who get you, who can speak your language, and who can put into words things that you can't articulate is powerful. So go find community in your life, whether it's near or far. Thanks so much for joining me on the Live Free with T1D podcast, where I teach you how to build your diabetes management plan like a sailboat, so you can have smooth sailing in your life with type 1 diabetes. And I'll see you back here next week, same time, same place. Bye for now.